This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Thank you for uh, having us, uh, allowing me the privilege of uh, being with you uh, online. Uh, I appreciate you uh, logging in and uh, really uh, showing the interest in the subject material that we are going to be talking about today. Today we, we're coming to number two uh, issue that we're going to address uh, as we continue on this series called Let's Talk About It. As we address issues of faith, we address issues uh, that will be controversial, that perhaps um, may cause doubt or maybe issues in which people think, uh, you know, I don't exactly like where the church stands on this. I don't exactly like what the Bible teaches on this. I don't believe these things, and therefore I, I, I don't want anything to do with the Christian faith. I don't want anything to do with church. Um, folks that are disillusioned with the scriptures and disillusioned with, with the Bible and disillusioned with, with the church and say, yeah, count me out, count me out. I, I don't want to do this. Uh, I hope that this provides an opportunity perhaps to, to get some dialogue to talk about to talk about it and to address it. So uh, today we, uh, we talk about the Bible, talk about the Bible. You know, I think of the Bible and I'm reminded of the time uh, not too long ago, I was summoned to participate in grand jury duty and I have to confess I wasn't too excited about it. It was gonna be three months of dedicating my, I think it was Tuesdays, where I had to serve and be there to listen to the prosecutor present cases. Uh, our job as a grand jury in the legal process was to determine if there was enough evidence to take what the prosecutor said to us to trial. Now also, I didn't realize this, part of the, the grand jury duty was also to uh, take a tour of the, the local county jail and to make sure that everything was run properly and done well. We were the representatives of the community to hold in check, if you'd like, the prosecutor and uh, those who ran the jail. And so I, I came to really appreciate the, the, the time I had. It was very interesting and it was a great thing to do and I was glad to be able to do that. One of the practices we had whenever a case was brought before us, uh, we would have the person who was about to testify uh, swear to tell the truth. And there was this card that we would have, we would read and the person would put their hand up in the, in the air and then they would say something at the end, so help me God. And uh, they would say that, and I would be reminded of the fact that they said that because uh, that was a practice that use, that included, and it's usually typically, I think, in the bigger trials, I'm you know, not sure, in jury trials, that when the real trial was happening, that they would make that same statement, so help me God, and appeal to, to God, and they would put their hand on the Bible. They would swear to tell the truth because uh, their hand would be on the Bible. Now, why do we do that? Where does that come from? Well, that comes from our culture. That comes from, from the, the roots of our uh, legal system by which we recognize that the Bible, God's word, is the source of all things right and wrong. It's the source of law. And when a person puts their hand on the Bible, they are in effect promising before the standard by which we all live by, before the person by which we will all be judged, they are promising that what they say is true, that the all-seeing power of God will hold them accountable. And therefore, all of us who are, are, are present, for them to see them swear their hand on the Bible, we can be assured that what they're about to tell us is the truth because they are swearing on the Bible. Uh, the Bible is uh, very significant, obviously, then. Uh, the Bible uh, has power in terms of its influence then. 
And uh, while we do this in court uh, now, unfortunately, we know that and what we see is that uh, the Bible is no longer held in such reverence anymore. Uh, in many places, uh, we, we talk about how uh, biblical illiteracy, people just don't know the Bible and people, and quite frankly, don't necessarily care about what the Bible has to say for their lives. They consider the Bible passe. They consider the teachings of the Bible uh, something that was good for the past, but it's not good for now. It was something my, my grandparents and, and they liked, but I've gone beyond that because the Bible doesn't speak to the issues of today. The Bible doesn't necessarily guide me in the way that I think I need to be guided in this world. I would prefer to live my life based on things that uh, don't come from the Bible. And so I think it's important that we get into this question because the Bible is the standard by which we as Christians claim to live our lives. The Bible is the source the, by which we're able to say, this is where we look to, to understand God, to understand what it means to be a Jesus follower, to understand what Jesus did and said, the central figure of our faith. It's found in the pages of the Bible. And so today's question, is the Bible true, really uh, comes around that to ask, okay, if, if this is there, can we say, can we discuss the Bible? Can we discuss, can we talk about, is the Bible true? Is the Bible true? Now, once again, um, you know, if you look to the Bible to prove that the Bible's true, you're kind of going in a circle. The Bible doesn't really um, make much effort to say, give all the evidences that we can believe. The Bible, in effect, is a historical, historically based telling of the story of God and the people of Israel, and then the Messiah Jesus, and then the establishment of the church that is was done by Jesus. That's what the Bible, in effect, was and is. And so the question is, is the Bible true? I think we have to take a step back first to the last question I mentioned last week when we were discussing the belief in God. And if you remember, that last question was, if I am created, if I am created to believe, and there is a creator who put that, that need to believe in my life, a need to have a relationship with God, if you'd like, in my life, then has that creator spoken? Has that creator communicated? And the Bible says, the Bible points to one of the claims that says, yes, he has spoken. He speaks to us outside of the Bible in what's called general revelation. The earth, the world, the universe speaks to us. If we're open to it, we can see that the design and complexities of our world points to a designer who has unbelievable power and unbelievable insight and, and, and holds everything together. But also we find in the Bible that it claims that God speaks directly to human beings, speaks directly to individuals and communicates who he is, what he wants and what he's about and he wants from us. And those communications are captured in the Bible. So the answer to the question that we find in scripture regarding has the creator spoken is absolutely yes. And here are all the things that God has said. And what we have here in the claim of scripture is this, that what we have here is true. What we have here is accurate. It's a telling of how things happen and as they were. And so the couple of things that, that I think is, is important as we, we think about this, um, uh, I want us to focus on one passage of scripture regarding the claim uh, of has God spoken, and that's found in Hebrews chapter one. I really is gonna frame some of the things that I want to raise up. And again, um, really this forum, well, this time that I have together, I know there's so many things we can dive into deeper, so many things that we need to flesh out. 
but I encourage you to to get into that conversation with your Christian friends, amongst your small groups, amongst the folks that, that you do Bible study with, if you're doing Bible study. If you wanna reach out to us and ask these questions, please feel free to do that. Email, post comments, uh, look us up on the website, give us a phone call, uh, set up a conversation in that way. Uh, don't forget that uh, Tim Peace and Aaron Adams and his crew uh, have a show, have a, have a, have a conversation online. It's, it's called Say What, and it's live on, on YouTube. And if you want to kind of connect with that and send them a question, those guys are going to spend some time going a little deeper, a little more further into uh, the investigations and the queries that you might have regarding this question. And so um, I want you to encourage that. This is a time for, for conversation. But let's, let's not shift to the question, has God spoken? And look to this claim here in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. It says, in the past, the Hebrew writer says, in the past God spoke to our ancestors. Now he's talking to individuals who have come to become Christians who were originally Jews, and you can call them Hebrews. And these individuals had a heritage, and we call this the Old Testament, in which they, they knew that God had spoken to them directly through men, men of God, prophets, uh, preachers who were filled with the Spirit of God, who spoke on behalf of God to them. And so this is what he's referring to. He's saying, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, and in the last days, there is not only a reference to that situation there, but we can categorize the last days as where we are now. These are the last days. That was the beginning of the last days when, they first, when we first communicated this truth. But now we're further into the season of last days. These last days, he, God, has spoken to us by his son. Who is that? Jesus Jesus of Nazareth, the, the, the man that, that was born in Bethlehem that we celebrated Christmas, the man more, most importantly that, that we remember was, buried, was, was crucified and raised again on the third day, the one who, who emptied the tomb and, 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 and defeated death in that miraculous way. He has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir, that means, that means the one who would inherit all things, through whom he also made the universe. The son... Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. If you ever want to know anything about God, he's saying, look to Jesus and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, after he had died for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of his, the majesty in heaven. He, he died, he was buried, he was raised again, and he was brought back to a position of, of being with God. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to these. And and the Hebrew writer is now going to address some issues that were going on at that time regarding angels, and we won't go into that. But there's so much here that, that, that we can get into. Basically, the Hebrew writer is saying, yes, God has spoken to us, and the ultimate communication we've received from God is captured in Jesus, is captured in the life and ministry of Jesus. And so if you want to know everything about God, if you want to know what God is saying to us, then the claim here is you need to look to Jesus. You need to look to Jesus. And the question we ask is then, how do we do that? Because Jesus is not with us now in person. Well, yes, he is in the sense that the recording of the life of Jesus, the, the historical note-taking of individuals who were with him is captured for us in scripture and the teachings that, that he then gave to them so that they might live following him after he raised from the dead is also captured for us in scripture. 
And so I think it's important to understand that the claim that we have here, why is the Bible true? The Bible is true because the focus is on Jesus and the focus on Jesus is the main, is, is captured for us in, in the Bible. We can learn about God. We can learn to love God. We can learn the voice of God. We can learn how to follow Jesus by giving our attention, by learning the story, by understanding what happened. And if it happened and it's true 2,000 years ago, it doesn't matter that we're 2,000 years further in history. If it's true, it's as if it happened yesterday, because especially if he rose from the dead and he's alive, well, then that means that, that he is, he, it, it matters today. And so even though it happened in the past, the reality is his application in the present. Now, I think it's important, as, as people like to criticize the Bible, like to tear the Bible, I want to say a couple of things um, that hopefully will prompt you in your conversations, that will prompt you in your, your, your thinking about the Bible. There's some things, three things that I want to touch base with you on as a challenge. And really, it's, it's, one, it's about fairness. It's about treating this fairly. If you are openly, honestly seeking out to ask the question, is the Bible true? It's very, very important, I think, that you consider these three things. First of all, Based on the fact that the Bible was written uh, in, a, in a language that's not English, the American English we speak, uh, you know, the original writing of the Bible was, was Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, some Aramaic was in there. Um, based on the fact that it was written at a time that's not ours, within a culture and a number of cultures that are not ours, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that the Bible was written at a, at a time period in a way that was expressed by the culture at that time. And therefore, because of the, because of this, we should expect that there are times when we read the Bible where we will be puzzled, confused, and even shocked by it, right? Because that's the nature, uh, not too long ago, I mean, this is the nature of language. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, those that uh, know two different languages understand the truth that, that sometimes it's hard to, to translate one language into another. I was in the Dominican Republic uh, not too long ago, and uh, I was preaching, well, you know, was preaching, and there was an individual who was translating for me, and I would say what I would say in English, and many times I would say it in the, in the way I would say it in English in America, and he would have to stop. Uh, particularly if I use, uh, you know, slang or colloquialism, he'd have to stop and ask me, what do you mean? What are you saying? Why? Because there was no obvious translation in Spanish or Puerto Rican Spanish that, that went that way. And so we had to figure out how best how to say it. I mean, let's think about it. Uh, you know, how, you, how, do you tell, how do you tell Eskimos, what words do you use to describe a hot, barren desert to an Eskimo? an individual that has never seen a hot, barren desert and probably doesn't have it within their language. You have to think about it. You have to do work about it. And so that's why I say when, when you consider the Bible, let's just make sure that you're ready when you're considering all that the Bible says, that you're ready to understand that these things were written at a certain time in a certain language that has been translated into English and at a certain time period and culture, that they may be things that come from the Bible that, that, that puzzle you, that shock you, that confuse you, because it's it's foreign, it's it's different. And what's required is to take a deep step back and say, well, I can't believe that they said this. I can't believe they teach this. I can't believe they, 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 they operate in this way. Um, take a step back and say, wait a minute, different culture, different situation. Let's, let's do the work necessary to understand what's being said. Let's take, do the work necessary to really capture exactly what's being communicated, because the truth still stands. The truth still stands. And so I encourage you, if you're ever considering this question of, is the Bible true, please give, give, give the grace. Give the grace to understand that there are times, because of the nature of what the Bible is, 
that where our Bibles in English today is a translation from uh, other another original language in a culture in a different way that we have to do some work to understand that they may not have said things and do things and operate in things that we operate and if it's strange and puzzling and confusing to you that that's that's understandable and and we have to make the work to to do to to fill in the gaps to to appreciate what truth is being said second thing and, and this is a common one. A lot, I hear a lot of people say, well, the Bible's full of inconsistencies. I can't necessarily buy it. It's full of inconsistencies. Um, you know, the, the story of, of the resurrection and the women that go to the tomb, there's only one listed in one gospel account, and then there's a couple of others listed another, and they can't seem to get their stories right. Was there one? Was there four? Was there seven? What, what was it? How did it work? The, the Bible is inconsistent. One says this happened, and the other one seems to say that this happened, and therefore that means that it's not true. Well, I would argue, and I would say, well, just take a deep breath here first. Uh, it is not uncommon to receive the testimony of different individuals regarding one event and have them see things differently and remember things differently and account for things differently. In fact, that's one of the telltale signs of them accurately describing the situation. I would argue, and I would like you to consider, that if there are inconsistencies in the Bible, particularly in telling the same story that has different details added, that the fact that they're actually not uniform in the exact details is actually a testimony to the truthfulness. Because if the Bible was the product of some conspirators, individuals who were trying to fool everybody, individuals who were trying to make sure that everything, uh, you know, bring out about a hoax, don't you think that these very intelligent people coming up with all the stories would have worked together, collaborated together to fix their story, to make sure it all lined up? as we say, get our story straight so that we are not, you know, when they ask us, we're all looking like we're all together on this, right? The truth is, is that everything in the Bible is harmony, harmonized. Everything in the scripture works together. And uh, many times, even though it may seem contradictory, uh, take the time to do the extra work and ask the question, is, is really the contradiction a matter of them telling it wrong? Or is it more likely the matter of someone telling it from a different perspective highlighting different things that don't that add detail that add color that add context to the story you know one thing I, that it's important that that we also understand is that the bible uses different genres different literary genres there's poetry there's history there's that crazy thing called prophetic literature that we find in, in revelation and and because of all this uh many times you know it says things and does things in manners that, that are different you know people being on the Bible about the book of Revelation, uh, the book of Genesis, excuse me. And in the Genesis says, well, I can't believe that this is what they say, how the world was created. Well, look, Genesis was not written as a textbook. Genesis was written to invoke faith. Genesis was written to, to, to bring us to the place where the description of the world being made would bring us to the place where we would believe in an all-powerful God who is capable of speaking into existence the world we know in six days. That is the purpose of it. It's not intended to be a, a, a scientific treatise to, to discuss all the processes involved. No, it's intended, its intent is to invoke faith in the God who made all things. And so it's important that when you do understand the Bible that you're fair, if you're criticizing the Bible, that you're fair in approaching it in a way uh, that, that's appropriate and uh, takes into account these things. I just want to leave this as, as the final thing to think about. You know, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to the Bible uh, and a personal, this is a personal thing, uh, this is where I stand, uh, it all comes down to an empty tomb. 
It all comes down to the empty tomb of Jesus. Why do I believe that the Bible is true? I believe the Bible is true because of the empty tomb of Jesus. I believe the Bible is true because of the testimony, historical testimony, that there was a man named Jesus. He lived in the first century. And uh, individuals saw what he, he did and heard what he said and recorded it down, uh, guided by God's Spirit, but as best they could. And he went to the cross as he promised. He suffered an execution by the Romans, which was not uncommon for uh, the wannabe messiahs of the day. And his followers were devastated, and his followers thought all was lost. But after three days, just as he promised, the tomb was empty. The tomb that he was laid in, the friend's tomb that he, he was put into hastily, the borrowed tomb of, of, of an individual who was part of the ruling council of the Jews, the Sanhedrin, it was empty, and it was empty because he rose from the dead, as he promised. And as he rose from the dead, he presented himself living and alive to those who were now defeated and all of a sudden became invigorated by this truth, whose life trajectory went from one in which they were petering out and going back home to do their things to all of a sudden now becoming bold men, speaking the truth regarding what they had seen and heard. Bold men and women willing to die for, the, for what they had seen and heard, the resurrected Jesus. Bold men doing things to, in the name of Jesus that, that brought life to people. Bold men who are preaching this message, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, we are all separated from God. We all have this yearning from God. We all have this desire to believe. And we are telling you that God has moved and he's moved towards us. He's breached the gap that we had between us, and the way he's done that ultimately is in his son Jesus. And in his son Jesus, we have a means to be right with God if we believe in him, if we, uh, the focus of our faith, the focus of our belief is in Jesus, who was dead and now is alive. And all of this truth is captured for us in the Bible. Everything that that, that, that story tells because of the resurrected Jesus, then I have to look and say, well, he rose from the dead, the power of Jesus is at work, in, it has, is work historically through the church. And I honestly, is it historically working in me and my life and my perspective and has, has changed the direction of my life to a place in which I now uh, walk with God and, and, and have a life that's rich from God's grace. That whole, that's true. The Bible is true because of the empty tomb of Jesus. And my hope is that you would consider that too. Well, it's easy to diss the Bible. It might be trendy to diss the Bible and say what the Bible says is passe and old. And let's be honest, sometimes we say the Bible's not true because we don't like what it says, uh, because we want to do what we want to do and live the way we want to live. Um, I think we need to take a pause in that. I think we need to take a deep breath and ask ourselves, well, you know, why, why, why is the Bible true? And, and is the Bible applicable to my life? And my, my point of view is it is. It's, it's applicable. Even if it's an ancient document, ancient wisdom, it's very much applicable to today for me to live by, to, to understand, so that I might, might know that when I give attention to learning the Bible, I train myself to, to listen to the voice of God. And that allows me to be aware of the fact that as I walk with God, the living God, the resurrected Jesus, that he still speaks and I can identify him because I've learned to, to hear his voice captured for me in the words of the Bible. And that's my prayer for you. And that's my, my, my ask for you to consider. Hopefully you've been blessed by this conversation to understand that the Bible's true. Uh, I, I'm gonna close with prayer and after I, I, I pray, um, those of you that are Jesus followers, 
that, that this means something. We're going to take communion uh, together. Tim, Tim Peace is going to lead us in that, and I encourage you to stay on uh, to do that. But let's pray. Lord, thanks for this time we can share. Uh, I pray that this uh, just uh, really uh, quick flight over this question, is the Bible true over this medium, will provoke questions, will provoke affirmation, will provoke uh, just really maybe even confidence and, and, and really help uh, folks that are listening to to talk to their kids about it, to talk with each other about it, to be able to really ground themselves in their faith. I pray that you would guide us in this. Those who have questions, I ask that you give them courage to ask them. Those who have doubts, I ask that you would help them to 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 address them and and to to have opportunities here where we talk about it and we hear one another, we listen to understand uh, each other's perspective, and and hopefully in that we come to the truth. And we stand by the truth. And I'm confident of the truth, that the truth is that the Bible is true, worthy to live by. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless and thank you. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.